folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday morning. Uh, this is pretty late once again. We uh, we waited a long time for Nikola Jokic postgame, uh, let's be honest. So, uh, this was a, a very fun night. Uh, on Thursday night, we were able to witness history. Uh, for Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets as the Nuggets beat the Memphis Grizzlies 122-109. They clinch a playoff berth. They're basically settled into the sixth seed. There's a possibility that they could still rise to five, but we'll talk about that in the third segment. But the real story tonight, and something that I really did not expect, uh, you've, you've listened to this podcast you know that I do this all the time where I bring up these numbers on Twitter. I, I try research some things. I do some crazy shit. And I came across this one after my brother texted me on Sunday. And then he and I were talking about Nikola Jokic and some of the historic things that he was able to do. And he actually brought this to my attention that he's really close to 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. And I was like, wow, that's that's insane. And he didn't know if anybody else had ever done that before. So I went and went to go look it up on Sunday and I looked it up and I realized, okay, so nobody has ever done this before. Nikola Jokic would be the first. And so I tweeted about it after the Sunday game against the Los Angeles Lakers. I tweeted how close he was after the win. He was about 72 points, 14 rebounds away. And it blew up. It it went crazy. I went to bed, and when I woke up, my God, did it go bananas. Uh, I've never had a tweet go that crazy before and didn't realize that this would be as big of a deal as it ultimately became over the course of these past two games. And as the Nuggets have gone into Game 80 against the Spurs and Game 81 against the Memphis Grizzlies, it became clear that, look, this actually does sort of matter to a, a variety of people, obviously not to Nikola Jokic, but I do think that with the way that he sort of played towards the end of this game, that he wanted to get it too. He's, he understands that there is a potential MVP on the line and he wants to do something that's never been done before. And I just thought it was, it was a very interesting thing that I shared and ultimately it became a very, very big deal for a lot of people. And so I tweeted how close he was against the, against the Lakers. I tweeted on Tuesday that he was just 31 points away after Tuesday's loss. And then there was some serious buildup to this thing. And there were a lot of people that were tweeting at me and, and sharing it, saying, hey, look, they were they were looking for this record. And this was a thing that they were hoping would happen. And it was kind of cool to see. And then I, I had seen a lot of people share it nationally. So that was a very, very cool thing. And then the game rolls around and a minute in, not even a minute, actually, it was just a just over a minute in. Nikola Jokic is covered in blood and just drenched, coming out of his head. And we we find out I, I didn't have a great look at this, but I saw in the Jumbotron that he was covered in blood and tweeted it out. And, and he had been elbowed by Jaron Jackson. And it was kind of a fluke thing. Probably should have been called a foul, obviously, if you hit somebody that hard. But it really was incidental. And so he has to go out. DeMarcus Cousins in. Nikola Jokic tries to come back in, but it doesn't work. And he has to go back out because he's bleeding again. And DeMarcus Cousins plays four minutes in this game and is a minus 12. And the vibes are not very good. But then Nikola Jokic dons the headband. And... He really starts to get it going, and he played exceedingly well, along with the rest of the team, in that first half. And it it was the ball was popping, like Adamari says. Like this was a game where it was very clear the Nuggets were in their bag. They knew how important this game was. Aaron Gordon was fantastic, and I'll talk about him in the second segment too. But the Nuggets were playing really well, and Jokic had 17 points in the first half, so he was very, very close to breaking this thing. It's about 14 points away at halftime. And so I'm sitting up there in my media section with Matt Moore, with TJ McBride, and we're just all we're all laughing, having a good time because I, I'm I'm immediately taking the darkest timeline route. He's not going to get it. 
They're going to win. The game is out of hand because the Nuggets were blowing out the Grizzlies at that point. And the game was out of hand. And it definitely seemed to me like it was going to be pretty close. He probably wasn't going to get it. And then the Lakers game on Sunday, he's definitely going to sit for that one. There's no way they're going to play him in what is a meaningless game at that point. Like, they don't care about the six or the five seed. If anything, they want to lose and get the six. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But he comes back into the game. He hits a three, makes a hook shot, gets a transition basket. The anticipation is just building. And it's not just for me. I was surprised how many people in the arena knew that this was going on, knew that this was a chase, that that this was actually something that everybody was paying attention to, not just me. And so Carrie Ann, who does a great job for the Nuggets as, as an in-arena host, she had shouted me out post or pregame on the loudspeaker and Swipe a Cam, who's been doing a lot of, uh, he's been propping me up a lot. And I got to shout out my boy Swipe a Cam, uh, who has been sharing the love, making sure that everybody credits me for this stat. I just, I just want it known that I don't need credit for this stat, folks. I'm glad that I was the one that brought it to everybody's attention because it does seem like it matters to a lot of people. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I don't think I was the first one on it. And I think Miroslav, uh, Miroslav Chuk, who does some work over for DNVR, does some work for Nugget Serbia, he deserves the initial credit because I think he had it first in January. So shout out to Miroslav for finding that. As I said, I, I only ever found out about it when uh, my brother and I were talking. So we had been talking and, and then this game goes on and Denver's, they're, they're still blowing out the Grizzlies at that point. It's like a 30-point margin. And the third quarter's winding winding down and Nikola Jokic has 29 points. He just needs two more. And then Jamichael Green throws it out of bounds. And Jokic is double teamed and tries to sombor shuffle from the baseline and just a very deep two that, that had no chance of going down. Then Bones Highland takes a three and makes it, and it just sort of felt like it wasn't meant to be. And the quarter finishes up, and it's very clear everybody's pretty sad that it doesn't look like he's going to get it. And then lo and behold, Michael Malone starts Nikola Jokic in the fourth quarter. He absolutely knew. There is no way in hell. And he actually admitted this postgame, too, that he said he wanted Nikola Jokic to just get two points and come out of the game. And the Grizzlies, they clearly knew that this was going on. There was, There's no doubt in my mind that they knew that the Nuggets were trying to get the ball to Nikola Jokic, and they were going to double, and they were going to fight, and they were going to use as much of their pride as they possibly could to prevent Nikola Jokic from scoring. And for a while, they were successful. The Nuggets were trying to force-feed it to Nikola Jokic in traffic. It wasn't really working. Definitely, uh, things were trending in the wrong direction for the entire team. And a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, Michael Malone plows, he uh, pulls the plug once again. Takes Nikola Jokic out of the game. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Like, everybody's adding me. Matt Moore is just laughing at my face. Just everybody's enjoying this. Uh, just because, look, it's an arbitrary cutoff. It doesn't really matter. Like, let's be honest. The difference between... 1,998 points, and I think 2,004 points, which is what he finished with, uh, it's it's not a big difference or anything like that. He should still win the MVP even if he doesn't get this number. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal to me. I think it was a big deal to a lot of people because it's this buzz phrase, right, that you can use as, hey, wow, he's the first guy ever to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists. Nobody in history has ever done that before. And so it would be cool if Nikola Jokic was able to start his own club. But here's the thing. Denver, they were not about to give him, they were not about to make that his last opportunity to get the record. Because as this team has done in the past, when Nikola Jokic goes to the bench, sometimes things can just go to shit anyway. And the Nuggets, they don't have any energy. They're not playing very well. And the game gets dropped down to 18 mar- an 18-point margin. And Jokic has to come back in anyway. Because the team has to win the freaking game in order to clinch a playoff berth. So he comes back in. And it's clear that the Nuggets are still trying to force-feed him just a little bit. But he ultimately does 
get it to drop and the euphoria and celebration that happened around the arena was awesome. It was so, so cool. And it was, it was going to be close and, and nobody knew what was going to happen, but he ultimately does get it. He gets it on like a, a kind of a turnaround hook shot, a flip shot where he's about to be doubled in the post and to avoid the double, he kind of had to fire up the shot awkwardly, but he got it to go and everyone goes bananas. I'm being tagged on social media by everyone, including the Nuggets primary Twitter account. That was cool. That was insane. And honestly, this was just an insane and completely bonkers evening. And I can't thank people enough because I I have this platform and I want to be able to use it for good things. And I do genuinely believe in my heart that this was a good thing that you get to celebrate. It's it's sort of arbitrary. Like I said, what's the difference between 1,998 and 2,000? Not a lot. But everybody enjoyed it. Everybody wanted this to happen. And to ultimately see that happen and to have the crowd cheering their hearts out for Nikola Jokic, chanting MVP every single time he scores, it was such a big deal. And I do think that this was one of the most connecting moments that Nikola Jokic has had with the crowd, with the people that support him, because they wanted this for him and he delivered as he always does. It was cathartic for me. And I had some folks sharing this line with me that they think that this stat, this stat that I brought to the table, was the deciding factor in who wins the MVP. And to think that I have any semblance of sway here is insane. Like, it was so gratifying to play a part in that. And and I don't know if it's going to happen. Like people could still vote Giannis. They could still vote Embiid. But to see what he did and to see how people supported this, to see how viral this moment went across the NBA and how people reacted to it, that 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists, that nobody has done it before. And now Nikola Jokic has? It was very gratifying to play a part in that. So I humbly thank everyone who's listening to this podcast, everyone who follows me on Twitter and is retweeting my work or or some stats that I bring to the table. This was a very cathartic moment for me because it felt like I had some value in this, that I had not just some say, but like people listened and they cared. And that's all I ever really want is sometimes... When you're a stats dude, and when you're always talking about somebody else, it can sometimes feel like you faded to the background a lot of the time, and rightly so, right? You're just covering what other people are doing. So I'm not here trying to stump for myself. I never will. But it was really, really cool to have people adding me to say, Ryan shares in the success. It's such a big deal. Congratulations, Ryan. Like, I hope that I made an impact. I hope that I made an impact with people tonight. And I hope that voters, as they take stock on the Nuggets, on Nikola Jokic, on his impact on the game, that that little buzzword right there, 2,000, 1,500, has some sort of impact on their decision. And if it does, then we get to share in that together. We it's not it's not me. I don't deserve that credit. It's everybody here who deserves and props up Nikola Jokic and props up my work because I cover Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Like come on now. I am just as happy for him and for the Nuggets as I am for any personal stake in this. 100%. But hey, if anybody wants to buy me shots at the DNVR bar, which is where I will be celebrating this uh, when that when the MVP decision ultimately happens, then I will absolutely get hammered with all y'all. Like that sounds freaking great. So if you're interested, let's uh, let's go party and share this this together because that would be incredible. Oh, Nikola Jokic, what a player, what a guy. He he reacted to it in the post game and and he was talking about it. And what it means to him. And just 
He's so humble in everything that he says, and I know that he was kind of stat hunting and wanting to get it tonight, but so often in these circumstances, like he's so wired that even when he's trying to get two points, he wasn't forcing up shots and double teams often. Like when they came with the double, he passed out of it. And it's hard to kind of walk that line between, hey, you just want to win the game. You just want to do the right thing versus, hey, this is a really cool individual thing that he could potentially get. And so I'm glad it happened in the way that it did. It was pretty stressful for a while there. And not going to lie, I would have felt really bad if he had finished with 29 points. And then everybody's looking at me like, how the hell did you manage to jinx this by tweeting about it? And then he finishes two points short. That would have been the worst thing in the history of my career. But as always, Nikola Jokic delivered and we get to reap the benefits of it. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of this wild game, this wild night. And we're, we're going to do that in the second segment. And then the third segment, we'll talk about the playoffs and what that means. We'll be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. But right now we're talking about the Masters. We're talking about Tiger Woods, his return. He goes one under. In the Masters, in at Augusta, in his first round back since sustaining that awful car accident. And to see him out there, to see him playing, and, and to see the reception that he gets and how everybody just loves what he does is just such a big deal. So if you are interested as a better in getting in on the action, over at DraftKings, they have plenty of odds, plenty of opportunities for draft better or for uh, Masters betters. And if you're interested as a new user, you can sign up using promo code MHS. MHS is our promo code that we have been using with DraftKings since the beginning of this podcast, back uh, 13 months ago or so. It's been a long time. We've had a long, fruitful partnership with DraftKings, and they have been supporting me just as much as everybody else has. So I hope that everybody goes over signs up for DraftKings, uses promo code MHS, can bet on the Nuggets, but you can also bet on the Masters, which are going on this weekend and should be just a very fun betting performance and opportunity for everybody out there. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum fade out and site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in if you could it'd be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast five stars on apple Podcasts, spotify google wherever you get your podcasts uh make sure to make sure to write down 2000 1500 while you're at it i think that sounds that'll be a very funny review to read for sure all right the nuggets played a basketball game it wasn't just the nicole Jokic show despite the fact that that's what we all came to see and what we all wanted to hear about so uh, let's just be honest. This was a fantastic game for the Nuggets. Other than there were some instances where they kind of let the let the Grizzlies get back into it, and garbage time wasn't great for Denver. Like Marcus Howard goes minus nine in his minutes, and so this game was probably closer than the actual, or it was it was a further away than the actual score indicated. But it was very interesting to watch, and and as Jokic kind of goes out and in and out with that bloody head uh gets that headband on it, cousins was minus 12 demarcus cousins was minus 12 in his four minutes he didn't accrue a stat other than a free throw in his time on the court and it just he just wasn't having the impact wasn't having the the energy and the desire to be out there and denver they just needed somebody who was going to be highly energized and impactful and Thankfully, Nikola Jokic goes back out there, and while we've been talking about the 31 points, he did actually get to 35. He also did it in 16 of 24 from the field, and so as as much as it kind of looked like at times that he was hunting for his own shots, 
he still shot 67% from the field and only took two free throws on the evening. How insane is that? 35 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, 3 turnovers, and was a plus 37, a plus 37 in a 13-point win. That is insane. If you just, like, like take out the 2,000-1,500 thing for a second. This is a great MVP cap for what was a fantastic case for him. 35-16-6-4-1 on plus 37 in 35 minutes in a game that Denver lost those other 13 minutes by 24 points. If that doesn't embody who he is and how much he impacts the game for the Nuggets, then I don't know what does. You're just going to have to ask a different person. Like, I'm there, and I see everything that he does. I see all the attention that he draws, what he means to the Nuggets on both sides of the floor, by the way. And he is just in a class of his own, clearly. What I will say is that Aaron Gordon absolutely came to play tonight. He was fantastic in his minutes. Pretty sure he had 20 points on 6 of 7 at the halfway point, and he didn't finish that efficiently. Like he, he, I mean, he still finished efficiently. 22 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and he was in Dylan Brooks's jersey for the entire night. And there were some times where Dylan Brooks got switched on to somebody else, like I thought Will Barton had a really bad defensive night. But Aaron Gordon was there and he was ready to play. And he was so engaged and on track tonight that even though Jokic went in and out at least a little bit, Gordon was there no matter what. And he was just delivering so well. I was just very impressed with his intensity. Finished plus 17. He was on the court for a lot of the positive stuff. It was just great. He w- he's been the second most consistent player on the team pretty much all season, but especially lately. He's just been a true hero for what this Nuggets team has needed of late. Jeff Green was back. He played 27 minutes tonight. It wasn't the biggest like stat line in the world for him, but it was nice to see him back out there. And I thought that he did a pretty decent job on Jaron Jackson, too, where Jaron Jackson's going at him at various points. And yeah, there were times where Jackson scored over the top of Jeff Green, but he made it difficult. And Jackson was the low man on the plus minus totem pole tonight and only grabbed two rebounds himself. So Jeff Green doing work. Jeff Green out rebounded Jaron Jackson. That's a big deal. And he just did his thing. He was just very, very helpful. He also played center tonight a little bit. There were some uh, brief moments in the first in the first half where Michael Malone went to an Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green front line while Nikola Jokic took like a two, two and a half minute break. And I was just very impressed with Michael Malone's rotations all the way through and thought that he did a very nice job given a very tough situation in how to navigate Nikola Jokic's head wound, basically. So very impressed with what he did. I think there's definitely something to be said about Nikola Jokic staggering with the second unit and being the guy to prop them up. Monte Morris, Will Barton, they were up and down tonight. Not necessarily the best, not necessarily too bad. Like Monte Morris, 10 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 5 assists, 1 turnover. Went perfectly fine. I thought he did a pretty good job on Tyus Jones too, who got free at least at the beginning of the game but finished with five points on eight shots, had two turnovers, wasn't necessarily the most impactful player, and thought that Monte did a pretty good job against him, as did Nikola Jokic in kind of hedging situations. Will Barton had a better offensive game in general. He had 16 points tonight, five of 11 from the field, two of six from three, four rebounds, four assists, did have a steal. His defense was not good, and it was probably the most frustrating thing of the night, was that he he had these sequences where 
He just wasn't all the way there, wasn't all the way locked in on his defensive assignments, on where he was supposed to be, and that's probably the one guy that I'd be concerned about tonight of all the high-minute guys, like Jermichael Green and uh, all the bench guys I thought played reasonably well, uh, all the starters I thought played reasonably well, except for Will. So, going to need to see a little bit more from him defensively, just being locked in. I thought that Desmond Bain got free away from him a little bit too easily. And then let's go to the bench here, uh, just because. We might as well. Denver's bench was really good outside of DeMarcus Cousins. Like, he only played four minutes. He was a minus 12. And I understand that it's a really weird, really unique rotation that you have to be ready for. And I thought he was ready for it physically. Like, that that wasn't the issue. Like, he, he didn't necessarily need a startup or anything. But I just don't think he was at his most productive and most effective and Denver wasn't able to defend, and, and DeMarcus Cousins wasn't able to rebound while he was out there. So I'm not surprised that Michael Malone only played him four minutes. Denver needed this win, and if Cousins wasn't going to give them what they needed to, what they needed to get, then he went with Jeff Green and, and went with Aaron Gordon as the, as the small ball four, and I thought that that was a better rotation in all honesty. So they're going to need DeMarcus Cousins for different matchups, but... There is also a possibility that if Cousins isn't like at his best, then he might be played off the floor in different combinations and different circumstances in a playoff rotation. So Michael Malone knows this, he understands this, and I thought he handled that pretty well tonight. But the real guy that, that everybody needs to talk about here is Bones. Like Bones is just unbelievable all the time. And his game tonight, he was probably the second best player on the, actually, I'll say third best player on the team because AG really did some good things. But Bones had 16 points on eight shots, five of eight, four of five from three, two of two from the line, seven assists, one steal, one turnover, was a plus 19 in his minutes. And he's just one of those guys that it, it stands out so strongly that when he plays well, the rest of the team plays well. And his chemistry with Nikola Jokic is very real. They overlapped tonight in that second quarter, in the well, late first and into the second quarter. And it was just so clear to me that Bones and Jokic have a very strong pick and roll chemistry and understanding of how to get each other the ball, how to put each other into great situations to succeed. And Bones has just enough confidence and just enough gravity that he can take the defense away from Nicola at various points. And Bones dances so well in the lane, on the perimeter, navigating through the paint, that he does a great job of setting up Nicola with some of these really impressive interior passes too. A lot of stuff that Murray does. A lot of stuff that even Will does sometimes. Like I do think that Will deserves some credit for this too. But Bones being able to do it and also be efficient is just such a big deal. So really good stuff from Bones. Seven assists, one turnover is a really, really big deal in 21 minutes. And Austin Rivers, Jamichael Green, Davon Reed. Those were the other three guys that played with the bench unit. And they're all just supporting cast guys. So I think that Bones and Jokic were the primaries. Bones and, not cousins, but really was Bones and Jokic in this situation. But Jamichael Green, had, had he was 2 of 4 from the field, grabbed 5 rebounds, including 2 offensive. Wasn't his best overall, but his plus-minus, I think, was tanked a little bit by the, by the end-of-game garbage-time stuff. Um, Austin Rivers, same thing. He was a better plus-minus than what his actual plus-minus shows. Was just a very good and solid scoring option. Next to Bones Highland, kind of that secondary creator that you need at times. And this is a role that I think Murray would fill if he were to come back. I, I don't know if he would be a starter. I honestly think that his best role would be as a secondary creator and somebody who can kind of split ball handling reps with Bones Highland on the bench. And that would be very cool. And, and just, uh, just as somebody who can do that. But Austin Rivers right now is filling that reasonably well. Nine points on five shots, got to the free throw line four times, and he missed both of his threes. So 
if he makes those, then he's even more efficient. So I do think that he's doing some good things, does some good things defensively too. And then finally, Davon Reed. Davon played over Bryn Forbes, and I thought that that was very, very interesting. Um, Bryn Forbes was a DNPCD tonight, and Michael Malone was very... Like his reaction in the post in the pregame actually was very interesting. He was asked by Harrison Wind about his thoughts on Davon Reed not being kind of converted and not being eligible for a playoff spot. And he basically said, It is what it is. We you're given the hand you're dealt, basically. But he was pretty angry about it, and he was pretty upset about it visibly. So I think he wanted Davon Reed to be converted. I think he would have preferred for Davon Reed to be on the roster heading into the playoffs, because I think of Davon as a player that, despite the fact that he had that awful turnover last game, that Michael Malone trusts him, Michael Malone believes in him, and and wants to have that optionality in a playoff series. Bryn Forbes, who they traded for, is not somebody that he's going to trust. He clearly doesn't trust him. He's not going to play him. And it just doesn't seem like Bryn is very engaged in general. So, I'm curious to see. I am very, very curious to see what happens in the final game and then what happens in the playoff rotation because Davon's not going to be available. But Davon was good tonight, had a couple nice passes, one of them to Nikola Jokic over the top of the defense, uh, had a block, had a nice, uh, gosh, what was the basket? I can't remember, but had four rebounds, had a had a shot, two of two, two points on one of one from the field. So he was just kind of his normal fill-in, and did a reasonable job doing it. So uh, good stuff from him, but very curious to see how Denver handles this. They played a pretty good game tonight, and it was one of the most engaged and attentive games that they've had in a long time. And to see them start this game off, and things got weird towards the end when Denver was chasing the record for Nicola, but they were up by 30 in this game, and they were playing really, really well. Really strong, put-together basketball where they were just executing their stuff at a higher level than the Memphis Grizzlies could. And Memphis was just down jaw. Uh, they've been winning all of their games without Ja Morant. So this isn't a this isn't a take-it-lightly kind of game. Were they as engaged and as like conscious of this as they would be in a playoff environment? No, of course not. Nobody's going to talk about that, but do I think that Denver really found something for themselves where they they have some different schematic stuff, they have some different rotation stuff, and then if they just play with effort and intensity and execution, then could they win a playoff series? Yes, I do think that. I think that they proved that tonight. Can they get to that level and stay there on a consistent basis? I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out, but Tonight was a really, really good step in that direction. And if you get reinforcements, then fantastic. If you don't, then this team still showed that they have some potency. They have some ability to get things done. And we're going to see whether that translates. So either way, crazy, crazy game. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss clinching a playoff berth and what that means for the Nuggets this year and going forward. We'll be right back. folks welcome back to pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in final segment here let's talk about the playoffs let's talk about well first the magic number is zero they did it they made it happen this is a a big moment for the nuggets where they don't have to worry about getting into the playoffs anymore it was a struggle for a long long time and, and denver's been hit with so much adversity and they've been hit with so much drama that it's nice to have a game where you can just sit back relax, chill out. You don't have to worry about the result on Sunday. All you got to do is get through a healthy. The Nuggets are going to most likely be the sixth seed now. They are 48 and 33, the overcashed 
on Denver's win total. If you got it at 47 and a half like I did, congratulations. I said to bet the over, and the over cashed. And that's, thank you, Nikola Jokic. Let's be honest. They're they're, they're not in that position unless they get that from him. Uh, It's an accomplishment. It is a very, very strong accomplishment, given what they've had to deal with. I thought that Jamal Murray would be back by March. I thought that he would be back in the month of March and, and playing to his heart's content post-All-Star break, whatever, and just kind of getting back into the swing of things. And I thought that, okay, as long as you're Denver and you're you're getting to a certain stage, you've got Michael Porter, who's probably averaging about 20 to 24 points per game, and now you've got a real chance to get together your big three. And then Michael Porter goes down in game nine, and it was very clear that he was bothered before that too. But he goes down. P.J. Dozier goes down with a torn ACL. Vlako Chanchar goes down in, in like early January with an injury. And Denver's just been dealing with so much garbage as they've been trying to slog through what has been an injury-riddled, bench-sucky, kind of really awful stage where they could not win games despite the fact that Nikola Jokic was doing as much as he possibly could. And and Aaron Gordon was playing well, and Will Barton was playing well, Monte Morris stepping up, but the bench wasn't getting it there. And then they trade for Bryn Forbes, sign DeMarcus Cousins, move Bones Highland over to point guard, and everything else is sort of history, right? Like, you, you sort of write the ship with the bench unit, and it's still been up and down since then. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're a positive every night because they're not. But what they were, and what they are, is a unit that is just as liable to help you as it is to hurt you when it wasn't like that previously. And so you've got some help and you figured some stuff out. And in the month of March, Nikola Jokic just went super saiyan. He sort of figured it out. It was just unbelievable from a scoring, rebounding, and passing perspective. And despite the fact that the three-point shot completely left him, he still made it work. And the Nuggets still made it work. And they were able to get to this point, despite the fact that it's it's sort of been excruciating, right? Like, it's just been a very difficult year for a lot of people. But getting to see them win this game in person was a really big deal for me. Because it was just happy. It was just enjoyable. It's one of those very rare times where I've gotten to let my hair down a little bit and say, okay, but yeah, they, they're still not probably going to win anything. They're still not probably going to really make any noise unless they do some of these things X, Y, and Z. Like I'm always looking for the next step. And for a brief moment, as Nikola Jokic is making history, Now you get an opportunity to take a breath and say, look, Denver's still in the same place as Dallas is, as Utah is, as Golden State and Memphis and Phoenix are. Those are the only six teams that have clinched a playoff spot in the Western Conference. The Lakers didn't. That's certainly not not happening. Minnesota as close as they got and as much better as they probably felt throughout the year than the Nuggets, Denver still outpaced them. They still did it. And Denver, throughout all of this, has just been complete warriors as they've had to deal with the fatigue and the overwork playing a couple steps above their station every single game, maybe two or three steps above their station, depending on who you are. And they still made it work. And now you get to reap the rewards. You get to sit out on Sunday. The Lakers are coming to town. They're in a complete hellscape of a place. And LeBron James might suit up for that game and chase the scoring title. We're going to find out about that on Friday, I think, tomorrow or today when you listen to this pod. We're going to see whether LeBron is really chasing the scoring title or not because he has to play against the OKC Thunder if he's going to qualify. And if he plays against OKC, then you better be sure 
that he's playing against the Nuggets uh, if he's within reach of the scoring title. And you're going to see him. You're going to see Giannis. You're going to see Embiid. They're all going to play. They're all going to see if they can win it. And that might be a case for Embiid if he wins a certain number of games and then has the scoring title as the big man. Or for Giannis, with the level of defensive player that he is, if he wins the scoring title, that's a big deal too. But if LeBron wins it, it'll be the first year of his career where he wins that, despite the fact that he's been in the league for, what, 19 years? It's insane. Never won it. Never tried, really. I don't think. But this year, he has the chance if he plays the last two games of the year. And so if you're going to that game on Sunday, you might not see a whole bunch of nuggets out there, but you will see LeBron James trying to score 56 to 60 points against the Nuggets C team. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch um, because I do expect Jokic to sit. I expect Gordon, Barton, Morris to all sit that final game. Not sure about Jeff Green. He might play, but if he does sit, then you have a very small number of nuggets because if those five sit, you've already got four guys that are injured in Murray, Porter, Vlaco, and Najee. So you have eight other guys that are available to play. You've got Bones, you've got Austin Rivers, you've got Davon Reed, Jamichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins, Faku Campazzo, Marcus Howard, and Bryn Forbes. You've got all eight of those guys. They would play against whatever the semblance of the Lakers are. Like they probably will bring four scrubs and LeBron and just play those guys for as much time as possible to see if LeBron can score as many points as he can. That is my belief of what will happen. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to see. We're going to see what happens. But either way, I expect Bones to shoot a ton. I expect Marcus to get 30 plus minutes. Faku will play a ton. Davon will probably play his last game for the Nuggets this season, as will Marcus Howard. And I know people don't want to hear this, but there is also an outside chance that Jamal Murray comes back for that game too. As he tries to work his way back from an ACL tear, he went through a very difficult workout today, pregame, and looked as good as I think I've ever seen him. He was cutting, he was moving, he was very agile, he was athletic, and his moves were technical, but also explosive. And this is the best I've seen him. He's clearly ramping up. He wants to come back. And seeing the arena go crazy the way that it did tonight, he might want to get in on that action. And so if he's interested in trying to have a glorified scrimmage, to warm himself up for the playoffs. Then a game that doesn't matter against the Los Angeles Lakers on Sunday might not be the worst thing in the world. It might not be that bad. Now, do I think it's going to happen? No. I think every Nuggets fan should default to the following stance. That Jamal Murray is not going to come back unless he does. And you can't figure out the unless part. Like Just assume that he's not going to come back. And if he does, then you're pleasantly surprised that maybe the Nuggets have a chance. But don't assume that he comes back, in my opinion. That's just as somebody who has been burned and and wanted to scream because of various information that I get. And then it doesn't ultimately happen that way. So I get it. I understand. I I know that it's a very difficult concept to to gauge. But I got to tell you, he's warming up to try to come back and play. That is what's happening right now. It's not the same for Porter. It's not even close to the same for Vlaco and Zeke. Like I think Harrison tweeted this out today, that Murray looks like a guy that's trying to come back and Porter looks like a guy that's trying to get up shots. There are two different ways to warm up, and Murray clearly is the former. So we're going to see. We're going to see what happens with him. Hopefully we get a surprise. I don't want to be... hopeful because as Nuggets fans know, you get your hope up too far, the Nug life hits. So let's just be pleasantly surprised about it. How about that? 
as for the playoffs, Denver, like I said, basically locked up for the sixth seed. If Utah loses their final two games and Denver wins against LA, then Denver will be the five. What I will say is that I don't think that Utah can lose to the Portland Trailblazers. It would be insane for the Blazers to try to win that game. They're trying to tank. They've got like serious tanking chances where they can get to various benchmarks with their pick. And they do not want to give that up. Like the Blazers are currently, oh no, the Blazers. Um, no, no, no. Okay. So they have, they're at 27 and 53. Indiana's at 25 and 55. Sacramento's at 29 and 51. So Portland is basically, unless I'm reading this wrong, and unless the tiebreaker comes into effect, they're probably locked in at the sixth overall pick. So they're probably not going to do anything too crazy. Like, let's be honest, they are probably not going to try. Nobody's going to play for them that game. So I don't think that Utah can lose that game. But if they did, it would be a tank of epic proportions because Portland is like playing Kelgen Blevins and CJ Ellerby. And those are two of the best guys that they've played. So Denver's probably going to be the six. Now, if Denver is in the six, then somebody has to be the three seed. Somebody has to face them. Right now, Golden State is currently the team that they are selected to face or that they are uh, in position to face because Golden State is 51 and 29. Dallas is 50 and 30. Golden State is in the driver's seat for getting the three seed. If they win their next two games, they will face Denver, guaranteed. If they go one and one and Dallas goes two and oh, Dallas will then overtake as the three seed because they have tiebreaker. And if Golden State goes 0-2, Dallas just needs one more win. Now, Golden State, they have an easy schedule too. They play the Pelicans and they play the Spurs. And I think that they will beat both of those teams because I don't think that those teams have anything left to play for other than potentially flipping who hosts the 9-10 playoff game. And I don't think either team really cares about that. It might also be satisfied and, and closed off by the end of the, like by the last game. Like it might, it might not matter at that point. So if that's the case, and if Golden State wants to win, if they want to face Denver, they'll have an avenue to do so. If Dallas wants to face Denver, they'll try hard. And they're not losing the games that they play. I think those are against even easier opponents. So it's going to come down to whether Golden State can hold and whether they can continue to play at the level that they are. But we'll see. It's it's tough because sometimes weird stuff happens in the NBA. But I do think that Denver is more likely to face Golden State than they are to face Dallas at this point. I would bet on a Golden State series, which if that's the case... Denver's probably okay with that. Like, you're, you're scared of Steph Curry, don't get me wrong. But Steph's coming off of an injury, and Denver matches up reasonably well with other parts of the Golden State roster. So, you just gotta do what you gotta do. And it's just an insane way for the season to end, right? Like, they did all this work. They got to this point. And game 81 happens, and now all the pressure is relieved. And you get to smile just a little bit. It's an insanely positive way for a season with with as much difficulty as there has been. It's an insanely way to be positive here. Nikola Jokic could win the MVP. And if he does... Does it make this all worth it? Does it make this uh, entire experience all perfectly fine? I don't know. I don't know how everybody else feels, but if Jokic moves into that class of MVP because of what happened tonight, we've got back-to-back MVP winners doing some crazy, crazy things, and Jokic could potentially join that class, what a story that would be. 
I would love to be a part of it. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on here, as well as on Twitter and everywhere else. I've uh, got some congratulations from all of this, and that was just such a big emotional lift for me. It well, has been a difficult year for, for me, but also for a lot of Nuggets fans. So hopefully everybody was able to enjoy that. Hopefully this was a fun moment for the entire collective. I think it was. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.